Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet. We're coming to you live from Austin, Texas. So all you ACO people have been with us for years and years, Ascension Cosmos Oracles, Ascension Center Organization, Ace Metaphysical Institute, or UFO Association, and everybody that is involved with us is invited to share with us. I'll put it on Facebook right now, wherever that goes. I'm not even sure. I've got so many parts uh, dealing with that in cyberspace. We're all social media people now, just so you're aware that our consciousness is all about the fifth dimension now. And of course, we have earth, air, wind, fire, and essence, and our essence being that which we all are, spirituality. That is our category today, spirituality. And we'll be talking about consciousness AI. Have you thought about being yourself artificial intelligence and everything that we are? Because we're going to talk about time travelers, computers, space, NDE, NDE, what is NDE? Near-death experiences, life. Who are we anyway? So today is one of those kind. Oh, it's those people, right? <laughs> it's those people. So we're going to do something today we don't normally do. Normally, we have Jan Aldrich, but he's still on the road. I tried to call him today. So we do UFO. We can do Friday night is by invitation only. But I have a special guest tonight. He's a forensic scientist that's retired recently from the Texas, great state of Texas. Some of you may or may not have known him. He's been on TV a few times on various channels representing uh, various types of cases. Uh, you know, he's retired. And he doesn't like to go be a expert witness anymore. So his wife has asked him to settle down in Texas with her. And her name is Brenda C. Thomas. And she has been a caregiver most of her life to her family and 
Then she was a nurse in the hospital administration. She's running her own home care help, you know, but uh, it's a hobby. And uh, she's actually taken me on to lose 50 pounds. So we're going to be showing and telling a lot about how to be human in the human form and stay alive and hopefully uh, stick around for a little while on the planet. So without further ado, I'm going to invite Brenda, and then we'll get Jim Thomas on here in a few minutes. Brenda C. Thomas, would you like to tell yourself, others, how well you think you can do as a humanoid on planet Earth? I mean, we're going to talk about who we are and why we're here, but I guess you've spent about, what, 40 or 50 years, and I will uh, ask you to Share who you are and why you're helping me with my So I will mute myself while you talk. So first of all, just to give people an idea of who you are and what you do and why you're here on planet Earth. Can you hear me, Brenda? Maybe okay. not. Okay. Can you hear me? <clears throat> I can. Hello, so world. can the world. <laughs> okay, world. This is Brenda Thomas. And I am a retired registered nurse, certified case manager. So now I'm just caring for friends and neighbors and family as they need assistance in this lovely world we live in of eating bad things such as fast food and drinking all the bad things that just make us unhealthy and overweight and feeling yucky. And it's been my role here lately. And we just got back from... Florida, visiting, and now we are back home near Austin, Texas, and just getting back into the routine here with our three fur babies and my retired husband, as Jan mentioned, his name is Jim Thomas. He's a retired forensic scientist with the Department of Public Safety Crime Lab that was actually headquartered in Austin, Texas, where we met 41 years ago. And now we're just enjoying traveling around the world and having wonderful adventures with our fur babies and having a good time. So let me turn this back over to TJ. Here you go. Thank you, Brenda. Okay, well, we're going to welcome everybody into our group. I've had this group since 1989, and you can find us at patreon.com slash Teresa J. Morris. And we are fostering an educational excellence and spiritual fellowship growth, education, and continued research for the communication of truth. Now, we do promote student achievement and all the goals of our people that join us in preparation of global competitiveness and the communication online practicing skills. And not everybody was meant to be a speaker, but, you know, most everybody we know speaks on some level. And we started specializing in art, culture, education, and research long ago in Hawaii. So we still have some of our members out of Hawaii, and we do a lot of social networking. And before we had the Internet, before we had SplinterNet, uh, those levels that we deal with on the international uh, arena of communication. So we provide a spiritual gathering place online for private and group counseling classes, seminars, publications, and videotapes and media of spiritual education, research, and products and services. <clears throat> but lately, we've been doing a tourism club and helping people 
that uh, want to be painters and artists that travel and uh, share healing of the planet and species with love and light in a trusting environment. But we will go ahead and put up a call-in number if you'd like to call in. It's 516-387-1804. And you don't have to be on a spiritual journey or a path of enlightenment, but we're asking others to join us and tell us what you're about in your self-improvement with your communication skills. And if you have the ability to speak and you know who I am, TJ RCT Radio is welcome to welcome you and focus on our inspiring creativity that we add uh, with each other because we've got a lot of topics here tonight. But it looks like uh, somebody from – is this you, Jim? 806535? Is that you, Jim? All right, 806-535, you're live and on the air. Would you like to share who you are and where you're calling from? Maybe that's Jim Thomas. Is that you, Jim? No, Hello. Yeah. Ah, thanks. Yes, my name thanks is Jim for Thomas. Yeah, we're, uh, we're in the Austin, Texas area. And... Uh, I'm, my wife mentioned earlier I'm a retired forensic scientist with the state of Texas, and I've worked in that capacity for a little over 40 years with a, a lot of interesting cases and experience. Main, my main uh, emphasis was laboratory work um, with the forensic laboratory, but uh, there was some crime scene investigation and clandestine laboratory investigation and all sorts of uh, different disciplines throughout my career um, with the forensic laboratory. Then I retired a few years ago and my wife and I enjoy traveling and just experiencing this great country and, and world and the people in it. Well, thank you for joining me tonight, folks. Consciousness, what is that? You know, You see a lot of movies about AI, time travelers. I'd like you to think about that because we use uh, movies and entertainment to help actually uh, play out our stories, and we are all the authors of our own life stories. And that is the mantra my mother left us in our family for our T.J. Mars Publishing Timely Manor Books imprints. And we have a lot of authors in our groups, independent authors and contractors and friends and social media. So if you can hear me, I'll put up our our number because uh, people knew I was traveling and they didn't know if we were going to have a show. And normally we do uh, by invitation only, meaning we have guests on Friday nights, or we will do uh, ufology. And uh, I'll put that uh, Brenda is learning how to do radio, and she uh, wasn't expecting to uh, help actually tonight, but, you know, we have a nurse and a forensic scientist, and to me, that's great because our Ascension Center organization is all about health, wellness, and spirituality, but uh, let's talk about all that we can learn about time travelers, AI, computer space, and how things have changed, But and then I'll get into my near-death experiences 
in life, who are we? Because, uh, Jim, you've seen some television shows, and I know Bones is really famous, but life may or may not be about that. But considering that uh, this is off the cuff and by invitation only in our ACO club, tell me, what's it like? Because people expect you, being a forensic scientist, and being with the state of Texas, being called upon as an expert, but what's it like knowing that you're different? I mean, tro- totally different from everybody else. And also, I'd like to ask you, over the 40 years you were involved, can you fingerprints, but that was about all. And I couldn't even get count, uh, the county I lived in Kentucky to even come take fingerprints when I had a weapon stolen. But I'd like to see something that you've learned these four years to help America understand. Well, um, yeah, like I say, most of our, my experiences have been with the, the laboratory and various disciplines in uh, forensic science, from uh, drug analysis to trace evidence analysis, which could be anything from paint, hair, fibers, glass, gunshot residue, um, things like that that are collected at the crime scene. Um, and uh, then you get into the blood evidence and the DNA and, and the fingerprints that are, are even more specific. But, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned the TV shows, most, most of which I've really haven't watched I, I didn't ever watch bones or not much csi or anything like that because it was part of my life experience and i, I did it at work and then i come home and live my normal family life um and it's really not like they portray it on tv of course the tv would dramatize it quite a bit more much more uh, the things that would take us days or weeks to do they do in a commercial break um, some of the things they show are true types of analysis and true instrumentation and true uh, techniques, but the, the time frame that it's portrayed in and the um, uh, just how flamboyant or colorful or, or uh, fun and everything it is, is is dramatized on TV quite a bit more. Most of the work is, is pretty mundane and routine. It, it is an exciting field and an exciting career, but for the most part, the, the day-to-day is just uh, routine laboratory work. Sorry, I was muted. Okay. Well, uh, you know, can you tell me, I've noticed that on uh, through the years, I started out in criminal justice and law enforcement psychology, but you know, we just went by the Texas Penal Code, and I did some dispatching before we went civil service. So, you know, the things you've seen change through the years because there used to be a time in the television series on uh, various television shows I've seen that they couldn't tell us much. Uh, did you notice over at least over the last 20 years how they've some of the certain cases or maybe even some uh, – that are on television now. Uh, something about Scott Peterson is that the proper name or anything like that? You know the things of how they 
uh, have seen changes in consciousness. Since I'm looking for the why we're becoming a better better at forensics, I guess I was, this is what I'm asking. Well, we we definitely have uh, become better and developed uh, uh, better techniques at forensics um, throughout the years. Uh, when I first started over 40 years ago, most of the types of analysis we would do, you could narrow it down to a certain group of people or narrow it down to a, uh, a category of uh, weapons or a category of paint or fibers. Um, nowadays, with the DNA technology and the unique um, chemical analysis and uh, unique analysis that are available in forensics now, you can narrow it down to, to the weapon or um, the paint that was used or, you know, that that was definitely um, the person that committed this crime based on the analysis that was done. Even back 40 years ago, there was some uniqueness, some of the analysis, in like in a, a fingerprint or shoe print or tire track analysis, if you think about um, a shoe print or a tire track, these can be uh, uh, category characteristics that they can be developed from the shoe print or tire track, but you can also get unique marks that are unique to that particular tire or shoe just from the wear marks or cuts or abrasions that are on the, the tire or the shoe that may come out in the print that would make it as unique as a fingerprint. So that has existed throughout the years. The way to um, actually develop the the print or enhance the print or visualize the, the markings in the, the print has um, really improved throughout the years. But then, of course, you know, DNA technology and all the blood and and uh, other body fluids that you can get the, the DNA characteristics and familial characteristics, even from uh, family members where you don't have the blood from the individual, but you can say it, it's uh, this, it's definitely from this particular family or uh, related to this individual. They're, they've really developed that through the most recent years. And then also just the, um, the instrumentation and automation automation that's been used throughout the years a lot more can be done in a shorter amount of time and um, uh, and just uh, uh, processing of information of course with computerization and the the processing of data how that has improved throughout the last 40 years or the last definitely the last 20 years has impacted not only forensics but every aspect of society so yeah and all those in all those capacities, forensics has improved since the time I, I started back in the, the 70s. Well, I really appreciate you helping us today because a lot of people just don't know what a forensic scientist does or how they get involved in law enforcement, criminal justice. But uh, is there anything that you could share with us? Because I'm going to let Brenda talk too about how things have changed in nursing because when I was a little kid, you know, they just wear little white things and caps, and I was scared to death of nurses, and I still want her to tell her story. But how did you get into being a forensic scientist, and what could you tell people in the future? Because I want to get into this AI time travelers 
in computers and space and near death and how all this goes together with forensic and nursing and who we are and consciousness. But I'm, I'm going to do something really strange and draw it all together by uh, talking in a few minutes and some of the stranger things I talk about. But still in this reality, because people, you know, I'm a, I'm a psychic and Brenda and Jim know that, but they just took me on a really neat trip down on Bourbon Street to see things. And, you know, we didn't really have a time. I've really not got to know either of them as far as uh, careers and professions, strangely enough. But, uh, you know, sharing my life, I, I, reading Tarot, I haven't done that far of them. Or, uh, they really aren't familiar a lot with what I do as a psychic medium or how people that have near-death experiences come back and share a lot of the consciousness. So, Jim, if you could help me out here with a forensic scientist, but how do people become forensic scientists? And, uh, you know, I mean, do you think that's going to be in the future with AI or is it all going to be done by artificial intelligence now? Because they make that, they make skin now with hair in it, follicles. I mean, I don't know if you're, if you got out just in time not to be involved in AI and computer science, but Tell people how to get into it and then where you think it's going, if you don't mind. I think that'd be a good topic. And the forensics, I was always a really good student of valedictorian in high school. And then when I went to college, I uh, I had in mind I was going to get in the medical field, uh, possibly go to med school. And as I progressed through college with uh, getting um, degrees in chemistry and biology, uh, I was having second thoughts about the medical field because of the the time that I would spend actually in school and, and not practicing the profession. So I was open to other fields in chemistry and looking at, you know, the, the uh, chemistry profession, profession with the oil companies or, or anything else. And I was actually given blood one time. Um, I was, I, I gave blood a lot uh, as a, after I graduated high school, graduated college. And I started working at a blood bank there in Abilene, and I was taking blood from one of the uh, 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 forensic scientists there in Abilene. I didn't even know they had a, a laboratory there in Abilene. I got to talking to him about the field, and he explained to me about uh, forensics and um, uh, what what he did, and I thought that was really interesting. So as I went through college, I wasn't on a forensic path. I was just on a chemistry and biology path and potentially medical. And then when I heard about that, well, I went ahead and applied uh, with the Department of Public Safety in Texas with the crime laboratory and had several job offers at the time. And I decided, even though it wasn't the highest paying job that I have had offered to me, it seemed like the most interesting career path. So I chose forensics and stuck with it for over 40 years. So back then, uh, you would hire on to the laboratory as a generalist. You learned all of the aspects of forensic uh, for the most part in the in the chemistry part of the laboratory. There would uh, there would be the the drug analysis, the criminalistics, which is more trace evidence, uh, and the toxicology. And then they would send you out to one of the field laboratories to work. Um, and I was going through that uh, process and uh, ended up assigned to the Austin Laboratory at the headquarters lab and then eventually to the laboratory in, in Lubbock, Texas as the, the manager of that laboratory. But as the as the field developed, um, people would be more trained more specifically for a certain 
discipline or a certain task. So the generalist concept kind of faded away and the forensic scientists became more specialists in the particular field that they were trained in. So you were trained in as a firearms examiner and that's the only thing you did. Or you were trained as a DNA analyst and that's the only thing you did. Um, you would tra- train in toxicology and that would be the only thing you did. So it, it became more specific in the training as to what task the person would be doing as they went through the training. So that, that definitely changed uh, throughout the years because I was trained as a journalist and then nowadays they're trained more as specialists. Tell them all the different things you were trained in. Yeah, I, I did. Basically, it was in the, in the chemistry part of the uh, laboratory. It was drug analysis. Uh, and that included clandestine laboratory analysis and also the confiscated drugs, uh, analyzing the cocaine and heroin, uh, um, methamphetamine, and all of that that ha- would have to be confirmed, the analysis confirmed when it's confiscated. And then toxicology, of course, is taking um, the body fluids and determining if there's any drugs present or, or any poisons or drugs present in the body fluids. And then I mentioned criminalistics, which is now uh, basically trace evidence. And that could be a, a myriad of analysis, including uh, comparison of um, hair, uh, paint, fibers, glass, um, shoe print, con- shoe, tra- shoe print track comparisons or tire track comparisons, uh, gunshot residue analysis gun muzzle distance analysis, which is determining the distance the gun was from the, the, the person or the object at the time it was fired. And just that was grouped into a category called criminalistics, which is now basically trace evidence analysis. And, and like I say, all of that has become a lot more specialized and specific these days. And as far as the education for that, back then, like I say, I had degrees in chemistry and biology uh, that I received at the same time, um, but uh, a degree, um, a bachelor's degree is what was required at the time to get your foot in the door. Uh, nowadays, they offer degrees in forensic scientists, forensic science, so people have uh, a degree in forensic science, and, and, and then they try to get hired on with the laboratory. Well, the thing about that is there's not that many positions available in forensic laboratories throughout the country so you're kind of limiting yourself when you just zoom in on forensic science um, you at least need to minor or get another degree in a, in biochemistry or something where you could or where you could uh, uh, actually use that uh, uh, degree in some of the field besides forensic analysis there were there were several um, people that would get uh, um, degrees in the medical field and go into DNA analysis, which was good, um, and not limit themselves with just a forensic science degree. And so that, that's another way to uh, really make yourself more versatile um, is by looking at, okay, I'm not going to just zoom in on forensic science. I'm going to make myself versatile and get a degree that I can use in multiple fields if necessary. So so that has changed throughout the years to where, um, you know, people are more specific in their degrees and, and what their what their education is before they actually get hired on with the laboratory and get trained for the specific test that they're going to be doing. 
you think that with uh, computers, the, you know how people say computers are going to be controlling the world. I don't know if you have a opinion of that or not, but have you seen a change using computers in your field of forensics? And since you've been there, any any computers take over a human's job, or did they just add some uh, computer type of knowledge or technology? I was I took forensics, but all I, I took in college was more hands-on in the field as an operator. Or uh, the things I learned are not. I, I didn't do too well in the, going to see people, dead people. Did you have to do that? I had to do that. <laughs> that may be a Brenda's cadaver <laughs> studies. Did you have to study human life forms or uh, anything to do with death and dying at all? Since you're talking about life. That well, be- you, you started out asking about the computer thing, and and yeah, definitely throughout the years, the uh, computerization of the of the field uh, uh, changed it like it did in in several fields of of, uh, of endeavor um, in the world. As far as the laboratory work, I think the, the main thing that has changed, and you're talking about AI and all that, would be automation. A lot of the laboratory work is, is more automated so that um, the, the evidence could be processed and samples could be taken, and then the analysis itself could be automated so that numerous uh, types of analysis especially like in the toxicology field where you have numerous blood samples or urine samples to process. Uh, numerous uh, samples can be processed in, in one batch. Um, you know, like a blood alcohol analysis. I did a lot of blood alcohol analysis where you take the blood and determine the alcohol content in the blood, like for DWI analysis. That's definitely a lot more automated with the instrumentation that they have nowadays, whereas when I first started, it was more... Um, you know, single sample, uh, you know, get processed and then go to the next sample and get all processed. Uh, now you, you do it in batches and you can get a lot more accomplished in a shorter amount of time. So that, yeah, that, that definitely has changed. And then you were talking about um, bodies and death and all that. Um, you said you were going to talk about near near-death experience and everything. Well, my experience with uh, forensics and crime scene didn't so much near death as it was death experiences because with the homicides uh, that we'd have to investigate, there there were definitely bodies at the scene and and having to uh, uh, you know process the crime scene and and uh, you know get evidence from the bodies. So my my experience is more death experience than it is near death experience. Well, Brenda's not feeling well now, Jim, so just letting everybody know we'll have her back from time to time because she is just really a very good supportive of life in our ACO club. But, uh, Jim, we could make it something else, you know, but I'll, I can talk a lot about what we do with our club. But can you tell people a little bit about your – I'm going to swap folks real quick on this. Uh, I'd like to talk more about near death and dying, but I will in a little while. But uh, I was hoping to talk with that my sister about all of that, but she's she took me to uh, swim and stuff, and I guess the heat and the sun got to her. We've been out in the sun for a while, but uh, Jim, I was going to ask you if you could mention our carnival cruises, if you don't mind. I'm not familiar with 
anything that you guys are in, but some kind of group or something for the ACO club. But could you give people an idea of what that carnival club thing is? Just so for I'm trying to build a ACO club, and I've been working here ten years on the radio. But we have a speech craft, and we have orators, and usually we'll have them talk about UFOs on Friday nights uh, for the UFO Association. But since you're a forensic scientist, I don't want to waste this, but at the same time, I know you're more about helping Brenda and you guys being retired now. And one of my favorite things is to work with baby boomers and what they do now. But people want to know who we are and how people live, and they like to look at how other people live. But you guys are going on these carnival cruises and had several of them and can you, uh, so while I'm building this club up to do more in cyberspace because we have to live vicariously through other people in our computer land now in Splint we call it the splinter net now but I could go on years and years talking about what I do inside cyberspace but you're really intrigued me because you and Brenda have been doing physical uh, activity outdoors are going on various vacations, and I'm very intrigued. I mean, I, I I went around the world when I was younger, but I did that for the government. But you guys are doing it for pleasure. But could you tell me what the heck's going on with all these people that during COVID-19, and you guys even got COVID-19, but tell me about these carnival cruises, whatever you're willing to share because I'm trying to build my club up of more communicators about. Well, yeah, we've, we've gone on several carnival cruises to various locations. We enjoy going out to Galveston on uh, carnival ships and, and visiting um, various ports. And we enjoy that as, as part of our vacations. And as far as the COVID-19, um, I mean, the precautions were taken, you know, by us and by Carnival and all sorts of guidelines were followed where we felt safe um, uh, doing those cruises. Um, during during the, the period that we did, you have to be tested before you, you get on and make sure you're negative and all the, the hand washing and mask wearing during that particular time. And all the precautions were taken, so we didn't feel bad at all about going on the cruises any more than being exposed at the the grocery store, going to the grocery store uh, in our our hometown. So, but yeah, we enjoy going on the cruises and and experiencing new cultures and uh, uh, just being together and and uh, traveling to various locations and enjoying the amenities of the ships. Well. Uh... Folks, Brenda's not feeling really good, but as far as uh, the ACO energetics and what we're doing, there's uh, all types of ways we can help other people, but mainly learn, learning to share what, who we are and what we are and what we do and how we meet each other and how we become interested in other human beings. So I've got – who are we? So yeah, you know, you have a good sense of humor, although you may not use it all the time, but you're a twin. And I, I think people would love to know, I mean, each human being that comes here and lives out their little training exercise on the planet, you know, and ascends and goes back to be in another place in time and space, because we've lately learned to add uh, time and space 
and gravity to consciousness, but now we know we're more than that. But in forensic scientists, did you ever get a chance to be more than and talk about strangeness and uh, unexplained? Uh, and how do you get into that? You know what I'm saying? Because uh, how would you how would you cross over into my metaphysics? <laughs> metaphysics, get it? <laughs> you have anything? Uh, I I don't know as far as the uh, getting from forensic science to to what you're talking about. I know that there have been. Um, more metaphysical type experiences just in our normal life, not necessarily through my forensic science, uh, but just, you know, just dealing with people day to day or, uh, you know, the the experiences of life is more the metaphysical like you're talking about than, than to me any of the, the forensic science experiences that I have. Well, what do you think? You know, people always thought we were crazy. And, you know, I've been in the UFO business since uh, I joined the government government contracting and wearing uniforms. But, you know, is uh, you saw the Project Blue Book with UFOs and all that. I don't have that listed, but I do have time travelers, computers, space, NDE, life, who are we? If you were uh, going to tell people, you know, the unexplained and uh, how you foresee how we're going to deal with all of this. You've crossed over a little bit. You used to think I was really bats, right? <laughs> About UFOs and wearing tinfoil hats and all that. But uh, you crossed over a little bit into the arena of wondering about UFOs, haven't you? I think I was a lot more skeptical when I was younger of UFOs, um, there have been a couple of experiences where I saw space debris or something in the sky that was unexplained, um, you know, a meteorite or, or something. But um, just hearing uh, stories and experiences of other people throughout the years, I've become more open to uh, the possibility of extraterrestrial life or, or other other beings or or something out there that's definitely unexplained. I think even the uh, we and, and you mentioned Project Blue Book and some of the other shows that we watched. Uh, just recently, the government releasing certain information and files and uh, the sightings of the of the uh, military that that they see when they're they're flying or or whatever uh, other credible sources. It just makes you think that. Yeah, there's there's definitely something unexplained out there, and uh, I don't know who has the answer, but throughout the years I've become more open to something different than what I had thought before. Is there anything that uh, has in, impressed you with the Space Force or NASA or any of that? Because I had plenty of other people I could have invited tonight. This is sort of, you know, by invitation only, and you're, I've been wanting to get on you on here for 10 years, so uh, I've got all kind of questions to ask you about you and your life, but anything you want to add about anything that may seem uh, curious to you about NASA or space or anything that you'd be willing to share with people that you find unique or ironic or 
something noteworthy we could put in this for oral, you know, history with our ACE Metaphysical Institute or ACE Historical Society, either one. Anything strange in your mind um, that you would say? Well, you should well, talk I mean, about I've this. I've always been interested in the, the space program, and you hear stories about what, um, you know, the, the pilots or the astronauts have seen on, on some of their trips, and it makes you wonder about stuff. And then just the, the, sequence, the secrecy of uh, some of the programs that have been going on, and they're really not telling us all the information, and Area 51 and all of that. I mean, there's there's definitely more out there than than we know about I think and it makes you curious about what what may really be happening I'm going to uh, do something really unique folks in that uh, my sister Brenda uh, asked him a couple of questions because she knows him better than I do but this is a once in a lifetime chance to get him on and I mean I've, I've been trying to get them to help me for years and they come on rarely, so this is a good opportunity to get some oral history down about these people, for, even if it's just for our green kids. But I, I know they can't see the all the people around the world, but I know you're all out there listening. And I know this goes out on iHeart, and it'll be kept here forevermore. Okay, and Brenda likes to talk to other people as well. But our call-in number, if you have a story to tell, 516-387. 1804 and I guess we're going to start doing Friday nights again by invitation of people that tell their life story but Brenda knows his life story and uh, he's a twin but while uh, I'm going to hand the phone to Brenda to think of some things that she thinks people should know about you like if you passed over tomorrow transitioned what they should know about you but uh, I also want to know if you have any twin being a twin, because we had a brother and sister that were twin, but she and I lost our brother. But being a twin is something, and then she can ask you a few questions. Okay, Jim, are you there? Yep, I'm here. <laughs> okay, so uh, I know you're not an identical twin, but being a twin, can you just tell us about being young with your brothers, sharing a room and things of that nature, like I asked you why y'all didn't have your own room. Just start with that story. I think that's really interesting. <clears throat> well, my my brother and I, we grew up, we were the, the, the youngest of five children. We had three older sisters. My, my parents had, uh, well, their first child died. It was, it was a boy. Um, and then they had three daughters, and then they waited seven years to try again, and then for a boy, and they got two, two twin boys. So my brother John and and I'm Jim. So James and John. He was born five minutes before me, so he's the older brother. And and yeah, we we grew up sharing a room at the, the farm. We grew up on a farm, and there were other as the our sisters left the farm. There were other rooms available, but for some reason we um, we always stayed in the room together. Um, and Brenda asked me one time, "Why didn't we get our own rooms?" <laughs> I told her I never thought about it. It's just like we were 
supposed to be in the room together as twins or something. Uh, but it was it was just funny that we thought that we had to to stay in the same room, and then we even went to the same college and roomed together in college until um, he he got engaged and got married, and then I had to get another roommate. So um, my brother John was my roommate until he got married, basically. <laughs> And I thought it was so funny that as the girls moved out, you had like three extra bedrooms, spare bedrooms in your parents' home, and you and John never moved into one of them. I thought that was so funny. And we never thought about it, or I did not even think about, hey, I could have my own room. I just, it was just like I was supposed to, to stay in the room with him or something. It was, it was kind of I weird. I know. And well, it's so different because me and Jan, Jan's three years older than me, but I mean, I couldn't wait for her to move out so that I could have the room to myself because she and I always shared a room and she was always, I was the type of girl in school that I would, the night before I would lay out my clothes and have everything planned, everything orderly, the room nice and clean on my side of the room and she was pretty messy and then she would get up in the mornings and she would put on my clothes that I laid out for me to wear to school. She used to make me so angry. In fact, one time we slept in a double bed together. One time she made me so mad not staying on her side of the bed that I took a black marker and marked down the sheet, the middle of the sheet, saying that is your side of the bed and stay on it. And my mother got so mad because I had arranged a perfectly good sheet. But it's just the difference with twins. So y'all not being identical twins, being in school to that, to, together at the same time, going to the same school, how did y'all keep from, like, being com- competing against each other or being jealous of each other? Can you go into that detail? Because I know you specialized in one field and your brother in another. Is that how you kind of kept the rivalry at a minimum? I guess... I guess we were kind of competitive, but it wasn't like we were we were trying to beat each other or wanted the other person to lose. You know, um, I was more scholastic and he was more athletic, but but he's really smart too. I mean, like I was the valedictorian, but he was like number five in the class, so he's still smart, uh, but he was athletic too. So he he played all the sports real well, and I was just average in sports. So, you know, we did all the stuff together, uh, but, and, and we're competitive in the sense that we were, you know, trying to, to win, but it wasn't like we didn't want the other person to win either. So in that sense, we encouraged each other. Okay. Well, that was good. You'll have to excuse our little fur babies keep barking every once in a while. Oh, I had a thought and then it just went past me. About the two of you, how did you decide to go into the field you went into where your brother went into more of the teaching field? I know that your father, being a farmer, he told both of you boys that he did not want you to grow up and be farmers because it was such a hard life. So when did you start going into your specialized field, like junior high or high school, or did it come into your vision? Or did you, And John, did he always know he's going to be at in athletics and a teacher, so kind of go into that to help explain. Well, you're correct in that our our father was a cotton farmer, and and 
we we didn't lack for anything. We 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 grew up, you know, in a in a good family situation. But just the uncertainty of of farming, the lifestyle where you'd have a good year every every five years or so. Um, my father did encourage us to get an education and to go in a different field. I was always, you know, pretty scholastic and really interested in science uh, growing up as a uh, you know, a baby boomer, I was interested in the space program and NASA and watched all the, the space shots and interested in science and chemistry and biology and, and just, just all of that. And so I knew I was going to go into a scientific field and I thought maybe the medical field, but as I mentioned previously, it kind of transitioned into a forensic science field. But yeah, I was always the more scientific one. I know as I was growing up, um, there, we we grew up on a farm, and we had a, a pond that my father had stocked with uh, bullfrogs and and catfish and bass and perch, and we'd go down there fishing, and and we'd you know catch bullfrogs, and you know we'd eat you know fish and bullfrogs and all that stuff. But I remember when I, we were studying, um, we were got into dissecting the frogs, and in, uh, in school, um, I actually got a, a bullfrog. And brought it home, and then in the bathtub, I dissected it myself. And we had some friends over, and we were keeping keeping the heart beating um, with saline solution for the longest time, and until you know we finally just just finished it and and just cleaned the the frog for eating later. But that that was something that was a unique experience that I d- described in an application I made to a. Um, summer science training program in um in my soft at the end of my sophomore year and so i was accepted to a six-week summer science training program uh it was a national program people from all over the country had applied for it and i was one of the few that got accepted to go to prairie view a m university uh down near houston and around waller texas and it's a predominantly black college, but they they accepted um, all um, all races, and it was mainly mainly blacks, but there were a few whites. And I was able to spend six weeks there, uh, concentrating on a, a chemistry program that uh, 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 that was led by Dr. W. E. Reed at the time. I still remember him. He was a unique uh, character and a unique teacher. And so that was one of the few times where I uh, left my brother and left home and went training uh, specifically in chemistry uh, for six weeks on my own in the summer. And then he did his own thing in the summer, you know, working on the farm and, and stuff. And then I, I came back and and we finished out the, the, the next two years. Um, but, yeah, I was more on the academic and uh, uh, scientific track. And my brother John was more athletic, and so he always wanted to be a, a coach. He was big into University of Texas football and, and following all the football and, and uh, sports and everything and uh, knew that he wanted to be a coach. So when he graduated from uh, college, he got his degree in, in math and education so that he could coach, and then he eventually became a teacher after he was a coach and then he got he got further education he actually got more education than i did because he's got his masters and 
in education and became a, a principal and a superintendent, and then he's big in the education system in Texas and still continues that to this day. So he was the education path and the teacher coach path, and I was the um, science path and went the path of forensic science. How you doing, Jim? I'm back. <laughs> Can you hear me? Oh, I'm, I'm still here. I didn't know it was going to be the the Jim Thomas show. <laughs> <laughs> you are the author of your own life stories. That's well. That's, I was I was the author before we started this show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're you're pretty good at this, but Brenda, does, she doesn't understand iHeart and Comcast and Spreaker and Stitcher and Spotify and how we inter, internet. She doesn't have any clues. She just wants to see see if you know other people are out there listening and how it all works. But it's fun. People. Well, are I really hope uh, I hope iHeart and Spotify and Pandora and everybody else is enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda, thanks. People are supposed to call in, but I think she means like my spiritual or psychic show that I do for specifically for that. And I don't do those on Friday nights, so I have different audiences, and this is a listening audience on Friday nights. But if any of you guys out there want to come and be a part, I don't have it. Li- oh, I say I have to put it out of here, but uh, you know, if you I've got, got I've, yeah, I've got a question for the <laughs> listeners out there. Because I have this this problem that I couldn't get my my brother to confirm a memory that I have, and it's of a commercial <laughs> for honey made graham crackers that I'm certain it existed, but I have Googled it and I searched YouTube and I cannot find it. And maybe somebody out there has heard this commercial from probably the 1960s, and it was a jingle that. It was the mother was giving the kids honey-made graham crackers as a healthy snack, and they called it the yes snack because the mother would say yes to that snack. And the little jingle was, give them honey-made, honey-made, honey-made grams, the yes snack from Nabisco. And I'm hoping surely somebody has heard that out there somewhere and can can confirm that memory for me. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> okay, so honey made folks, yes, honey made grams, please. <laughs> if you've heard that, we really need to hear from you, or if you're familiar with what the famous Texas forensic scientist of the state of Texas, we're serious, folks. Jim Thomas has just asked you <laughs> to please help him because we would like to verify that. Maybe we need to call Honey Maid. I hadn't thought of that one. But if you'd like to call in and share your uh, any memory of that, it's area code 516, and then the number is 387-1804. So we would really appreciate you helping us with this 
uh, oddity on planet Earth. He thinks he must have got that. You know, he swears that's the reality, but his twin brother can't remember either. Can you remember, Jim? But, but John, John has forgotten several things, so I'm thinking that <laughs> I have the best memory and that it, it, it really existed, and he just can't remember. Uh-huh. Brenda says she thinks she made it up. Oh, lordy, lordy, folks. Yeah, uh, my if, sister would like I people to up, call I'm in. more talented than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> honey made, honey made. Did you seriously Google it? It won't come up, Jim? Honey made? Yeah, I, I found uh, honey made was, or uh, there was some kind of transition of the company at a certain point of time. And I don't think anything is this. There's, if I googled it, and there's these uh, commercial jingles that you can you can buy or you can search that has like hundreds of them in it. I didn't go so far as to buying it to listen to all the jingles to see if it was in it, but just just googling it or YouTubing it, I didn't I didn't find confirmation that that commercial existed. To my well, disappointment. You know, <laughs> Your your um, plight, you know, begins. Well, I could ask you a few questions, but I'm going to look for the uh, uh, honey made uh, jingle, right? Honey made jingle. But you know, we have a spoke life, and that's all about art, history, and culture, and telling your own life story. But we do save history archives with the National Archives folks, and you know, you can help us out if you know anything. That's historical. You would like to share like this, honey made Graham jingle. But I'm gonna put a honey Graham. Honey Graham is the brand, right? Honey made. How is it? Honey made Graham. Honey made Graham crackers. Honey, honey so made Grahams. That is hilarious. I mean, they have. Uh, see, I don't know that it says main ingredients is Graham flour, so it has 361 calories per cup. Jeez, I, and I'm on a twelve to fifteen hundred calorie diet right now. But it, so the brand but it was the yep snack back in the nineteen sixties. <laughs> <laughs> you heard of that, right? It was a healthy snack and it and a the yes snack, huh? Well, did you try the yes snack? The yes snack history. Uh, so I you, tried yep. that and there's a apparently there's a yes bar that's available and that took up all the space on the Google that I that I did. The yes bar. Okay. Oh really? Wow. The history of American snack foods from waffle cones to Doritos. Now you said this was in the nineteen sixties. So uh I'm, I'm thinking human. I was born in I was born in nineteen fifty five and it's an early memory, so I'm thinking it's probably early sixties. Well, believe it or not, they had a yes bar, so uh, you probably started a whole new history of American snack foods, but sending humans into outer space may have been one of the greatest scientific and technological achievements of mankind, but uh, we were way more interested in another aspect of space exploration, so astronaut ice cream, did you hear that? Sure, it doesn't taste nearly as good as actual ice cream, it is very it says it's way more expensive, but chopping down on the gritty Neapolitan slab, oh, my goodness, it is a gimmick that will see more uh, options. 
<laughs> I remember the astronauts used to, they would advertise Tang as the drink that the astronauts drank. And, and they had oh, the little I pouches that they would drink it from. Oh, yeah. But the pouches, I don't remember. But I do, uh, I remember Tang in a jar. There's the Campbell his snacks. The free dictionary. Is that what you looked up for the yes? There's uh, the free dictionary. But I don't know what we're going to do, Jim, to get you in line for the honey maid. But did your mother let you have honey maids? Or were you deprived of honey made grams? I, I don't remember <laughs> my mother buying honey made graham crackers for me. But I remember on TV... I'm, I'm impressed with the TV commercial of Honey May Graham Crackers, the Yes Snack. Well, and Nabisco Honey made Teddy Bear Snacks are rather expensive, but they have free shipping. But now Honey May Graham Cookies, they're not bad price. Now, in today's Honey Made world, we do have boxes that you can order. Now, there are Honey May Graham recipes, but you're talking about the Honey Maid. By Nabisco, right? Honey made graham crackers. So yes, you can hun- uh, honey made, honey made, honey made graham, the yes snack. <laughs> honey made, honey made, honey made grams, the yes snack. Sing it again the way that you remember it. So somebody, maybe the jingle, you know, in someone's ear, will really help. You've got it I down to a song. From my memory, it was a female voice that sang it, so it might be best if Brenda sang it. Brenda, would you like to sing it? She says her throat is scratchy, so she can't even talk. So, do you mind doing it for us just one more time? You never know. So he may make Honey made Graham history. <laughs> okay, well, here we go again. Okay. Give them honey made, honey made, honey made grams. The yes snack from Nabisco. <laughs> it's so so good. It's like you really believe that that was a definite song, and it's in your head, right? You really remember that. <laughs> Of course, it's 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 a definite memory, and I really hope that you're not you're not losing a, an audience because we're talking so much about this. <laughs> we need help, folks. Really, really need. I'm not even having guys on Friday night call in and mess with my show. All right, folks, consciousness. I'm going to have to change the title to the Jim Thomas Show. <laughs> Sponsored by Honey um, Ray Graham. <laughs> and, if, and if anybody's interested, I'm a pretty good juggler also. <laughs> I made Graham Crackers show. <laughs> oh, this is like the old radio shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you maybe you'll wind up being like the Honey Made Orson Welles of our time. <laughs> Would you like to tell any space stories? <laughs> 
<laughs> Brenda's just convinced there's people out there in radio land. So if you're out there in light radio land and you've heard the honey maid, or even if you haven't, <laughs> we're like the only people on the planet. <laughs> and no, we're not smoking. <laughs> We're non-smokers. All right, so the call-in is 516-387-1804. Nobody knew I was going to do this show, and I threw it together at the last minute, but because it's strictly Friday night, folks. But y'all know I've been here over 10 years, and, you know, we've gone from Blog Talk to Spreaker and Comcast and iHeart, and people take us very seriously out there in Spotify and Comcast, of course. But uh, I'm not sure about how we're going to handle this honey made situation. Please <laughs> call somebody about honey made. So they also send through a blog talk, and if they see something interesting, they will, uh, you know, see if they want to listen and all of that. So, uh, well, Jim, could you help me out with this? Who are we? <laughs> My goodness, what am I well, going to do with I think we're com- we're confirming this evening that we are definitely unique, uh, a unique <laughs> race, and unique as individuals. <laughs> oh my gosh, what am I going to do with my sister? It's been fun, folks. This, uh, it, have you got anything you can help with time travelers? Because not everybody can speak about the cosmos. And you're a high, you're probably the most intelligent person I know, Jim, at least, at, you know, academically. <clears throat> so other than, you know, we have Dr. Sasha Lanson and Hawaii and anthropology and master's in psychology, but his PhDs in anthropology. But what do you think of time travel? Do you, have, do you know anything in forensics or in physics? Did you study physics at all? Or is that your main thing? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I did have to study physics uh, just as a, a part of my education growing up. But time travel, um, I mean, I guess I'm open to it. Uh, uh, the the wormholes and all that that stuff, but I'm not real familiar with it. And but I haven't. I don't have any information to where I could rule it out completely. So I'm I'm open to it. Well, tell us about science versus the arts. You know, with academics, uh, there was always the arts and scientists uh, are science. And I was always told that science came from philosophy. Uh, I don't know. Did the study of did you have a, a I guess you'd say layman? Would you say you're a layman when it comes to the list of uh, things such as science versus art or could you like do a Jeopardy type? What's the difference? And <clears throat> science we measure. I mean, can you get down and help people understand why? Why the big deal? And why are they getting rid of music? And I, I still want PE in school, but you know, what was the big deal about arts and sciences? What was the split? Have you got any intelligence on that? The arts and sciences. Did Did you ever figure that out? Well, I mean, I. I, I think uh, a more broad education is is more uh, valuable. 
like I say, my my example on, in forensic science, I was trained more as a generalist, so it was a more broad training uh, designed in forensic science. And my education in college was 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 more broad. It included science and and the arts. So I I kind of leaned toward a a, a wider uh, you know more uh, wider prism of of education so that you can be more well balanced rather than just uh, um, concentrating everything on on one particular aspect. I think it's more beneficial for the individual to to be educated more broadly, and that doesn't necessarily mean it has to happen in in high school or college. Uh, an individual could do that on their own and expand their horizons and their education just by uh, the experiences and the the reading and the studies that they do on their own. Are, are you still there? Are you all responding? Okay. I'm back, Jim. Back to Jim. <laughs> I'm so sorry that kicked me off my own show. <laughs> Folks, I've never had so much fun. I'm on my vacation right now in Austin, Texas. And, you know, uh, if you know me, TJ Marcy T Radio, we've been around and we talk a lot of uh, very cutting-edge fringe information. And... Uh, it's been fun sharing, but uh, can you hear me, Jim? Yes, I'm still here. Oh, okay. What happened? Was there dead space, or did you keep talking? Talked for a little bit, and then there was a little bit of dead space, and so uh, <laughs> I talked a little bit more. <laughs> I didn't understand the dead space, so that's that's why I spoke up again. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, we don't like dead space in the radio. And I was like, I can't believe it. I think I was acting too crazy. They kicked me off my own show. That was the first time. I, I changed phone numbers. I tricked them. <laughs> Folks, I've been doing this radio show. <clears throat> no, seriously. We have some great people out there. We have some great shows. And, you know, uh, the Jim... You know you've done a wonderful job, but I've got to, I'm going to have to change this whole reality into something else, and uh, we'll do more <clears throat> Saturday and Sunday, folks. You know we do spirituality on Sundays, and people like to listen, Jim, on spirituality and things like that. But I had near death and consciousness, and I like the AI thing. But uh, what would you like to talk about, Jim? Because seriously, we could <clears throat> make this reality happen in the way we take it. You know, not everybody can uh, be as well off as you and Brenda and the professionals. You've got it because of your academics, your high, higher level of education, and your timing. And some of us, you know, <clears throat> back during Vietnam War, got pregnant and had kids such as myself to keep your husband from, you know, being killed. We had, and I'll just be honest with you, my <clears throat> my husband uh, was wor- worried about coming back in a body bag in 1967 when I got married and had four children after that. So I was lucky enough to go back and get law enforcement, criminal justice. So why don't you interview me? <laughs> why don't you ask me a question, Jim? Okay. 
Okay. Well, Brenda, I can't hear you. I'll have to turn you on. Okay, turn him off. Oh, I need off. to go out the other room. <laughs> okay, I've turned him off. Thank you, Jim Thomas. That looks great. He did a good job. That's me. Let me go in the other room. Okay. Okay, folks, we're going <clears> to <throat> do a little switcheroo here because we're doing a live show, and uh, it, we get a little feedback when we're in the same room, but we really appreciate what you're doing. <clears throat> but my nurse sister has a little scratch in her throat, but she's uh, going to take over for Jim and help me out here. So <clears throat> she'll come up with some questions or something here with the way we're going to continue. I have a question for you. Okay. My sister. I know that you had a near-death experience when you were delivering your youngest child. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. <clears throat> yes, but uh, I don't know if you've had a near-death experience, but when I was uh, pregnant with my fourth daughter, I was just talking about during <clears throat> 1968, she was born March. Oh, I'm talking about Gigi, though. Gigi's passed over. The transition, <clears throat> and that's one thing me and my sister have in common is our daughters have transitioned in this reality. So carrying on <clears throat> information waves and communication is important. But to answer, that near-death experience was due to placenta previa, which I don't understand. My do- sister here, being a nurse, probably knows more about placenta previa and del- <clears throat> deliveries that way. But from what I could understand later was there was a – Hold torn. But Brenda, you remember in Houston when I was a spinnerette, but then I had all four girls, and I used to teach, so did you, with the city of Houston. Remember when we taught baton twirling? Our we dancing taught, um, and dance, yeah, and exercise for the city of Houston. Right. Well, it was during that time, <clears throat> I was still teaching with, uh, I remember exactly where it was. But I had two or three different of these uh, recreation centers, and it was sort of something – it was rainy, and I slipped. So they asked me if I remembered falling, and I I didn't until later, and I put this scene together in my mind's eye. But apparently I tore just a tiny or juggled it just enough or it didn't happen until 6 a.m., or thereabouts in the morning, and so I called my mom. I had um, bled out a large part of, guess, the uterus already, uh, a piece, and uh, called my mother because I was. I'll, it was time for me to have the baby anyway. She it was completely full term, but uh, I called my mother that morning. Brenda, I guess, took care of the kids. Or I don't remember that part. But I was rushed to Sharpstown Hospital in Houston, Texas, and she had called Dr. Glenby Matthews to deliver the baby because it was her doctor's mine as well. He met us at the hospital, but before he got there, they prepped me and, uh, you know, they shaved and they hooked me and the baby to a heart monitor. <laughs> so to make a long story short, the uh, Monitor stopped. I was watching it for something to do. wasn't in any pain. I was actually in a euphoric state, 
And I asked mother if I was going to die because I said, Mom, the baby's heart stopped. So she ran out to get to the two nurses that were waiting on me that early in the morning. And uh, the side room to where you get operated on or take the baby. Uh, so she ran to get them, and then she uh, asked for help, and they ran in and saw the, ba- the baby's heart monitor stopped. And about that time, she grabbed a guy out from the hallway mopping, and uh, she was desperate, I guess, and pulled him into the room. And then uh, I just was concerned, but um, I was in euphoric state. So uh, she called, well, Dr. Matthews finally got there and looked over me. And I still remember him coming in the little side room and looking in his eyes. And I asked him if I was going to die. And uh, he said, not if I can help it. So uh, he pulled us into uh, the emergency, or well, the operating room. Is, I remember the lights going over from the room where I was, and they had unhooked the monitors and pushed me into this cold area. I remember the lights passing over. I was in a euphoric state. And... Uh, the door pushed open, and it was cold, and this gentleman, I guess they had on green back then, hat, you know, a little hat and green surgery type things, but they had somehow prepared or gotten ready to give me something because there was an anesthesiologist there. They had me uh, sign something with my right arm, and I remember saying, I can't. <laughs> that was the last words I spoke was, I can't sign they, uh, anesthesiologist took my hand and said me scribble something on a piece of paper, something to do with signing up, tying my tubes at 23 uh, because I had already had my fourth child and agreed just to have my tubes cut anyway. So they were worried about that paperwork, rushing me in, and they put me on a gurney uh, from the gurney, which I had, you know, been wheeled into the operating room and uh, they took my body and I was still in my body at this time and they placed me on this cold bed and put my feet in these cold stirrups and I remember the coldness more than anything and looking at the people but the memory is like plays in a movie over and over in my head and there was a nurse on both sides of Dr. Uh, Matthews at the time, and uh, the anesthesiologist had sat to my right, and uh, he had put a cuff on my arm for blood pressure, etc. And uh, the doctor was asking how I was, and he said, "Well, she's got blood pressure 60 over 40. I can't give her anything." Uh, with her blood pressure that low, 60 over 40, then I flatlined, and one of the nurses screamed, and the doctor said, well, I've got to save her, the baby, but he uh, just took his knife. He made a choice, and he sliced me open and took, uh, at this time, 
I was uh, had already flatlined and came out the top of my head and was watching him uh, take the baby out, and she had a cord wrapped around her neck, and he took the cord from – he had pulled her out of my stomach, and uh, the baby, you know, it was hold, she was holding her and pulled the uh, cord from around her neck and handed her to a nurse. And the nurse went over, and uh, I was laying there, gates open. I remember the gaping open feeling and looking because I was up over my – I was up over my body. I guess my sight. That's the movie kept playing, okay? So it was over my head, and I was watching him, and I was watching him, the nurse take the baby and uh, the nurse had screamed when he cut me open with no anesthetic. I don't know why she screamed because she should be trained. But I guess it happened so quickly or caught her off guard. I'll never forget her screaming. Uh, it, it was very strange. And but she ran over to help with the baby when you know he was holding the baby up and they had the neck uh, the baby with her. Uh, umbilical cord around his neck and then took the baby over one of the nurses took it over and cleaned it and uh, I stayed there watching the movie of my life you know seeing my body there I mean I could still see below that's why I know I was overhead people say well how do you know you were overhead well because I could see myself so this wasn't the first time I'd had an out of body experience uh, in my life because I died before, so this was not new to me. But I watched him take the baby over and take the footprints, and I'm laying there, and I guess they uh, hit my body with the paddles because Mother said outside, I, I, I passed a couple more times outside, came up off the gurney, but the main thing is that people know that even when you pass, you're conscious you are your consciousness but when we uh something about our physical body when we're out of it and overhead i could still see intently what was going on and i watched them enough in the room to see them blueprint the baby's foot and prick her blood i was still there and then i looked at the clock and when i looked at the clock something happened I started like an escalator, clear, uh, that white luminescence from fluorescent lights. But it was like being uh, propelled like on an escalator up. If, if you know how escalator has that, it wasn't straight over and it wasn't straight up. It was like at a angle, and I started uh, floating out and then above the atmosphere through the stars and I felt like I was encased, encapsulated in something. So I started flying and uh, all of a sudden I felt free and good and it, it was more than euphoric. It was a freedom I've never felt uh, because I had not left the planet prior, but this time I did. And I watched all these stars and space go by me and go up and through various atmospheres or various levels of uh, 
reality or consciousness or existence, depending on how each individual would share this part of life, sharing through various levels of something. But I got up to a point, and I heard voices. And uh, at that point, consciousness that I was realized what I was doing and I was able to consciously speak and I remember speaking and saying, wait, stop, I want to go back. What will happen to my children? And the escalator stalled or stopped or slowed down like, and it just sat there or I sat there in this in-between universes is what I call it. And I like going up from the universe to the multiverse to the metaverse to the xenoverse, which is all darkness encompassing dark matter, to the omniverse, which is the one we all call the fifth level of existence. And I believe at the sixth and seventh, that's where Heavenly Mother and Father have a various levels of existence by choice because I could hear, a, I thought, a male's voice and a woman's voice. And I heard... I want to say, because oh, I said, somebody talked to me and said, if you go back, you'll experience more pain than you've ever experienced on earth. And I remember thinking for just a split second and said, I don't care. I want to go back. And then there was a brief moment of just nothingness. And I saw a gold, bright light. And I thought, okay, well, I'm fixing to go into, you know, where these people are, heaven or this reality, which I would imagine is the way they say it's whatever you believe in your religion or your spiritual way of thinking. Each humanoid is different, how one thinks or what one creates with their imagination. But that gold light I'll never forget, and it served me later in life uh, as an ascension master. We call our, those of us that have had out-of-body near-death experiences ascension masters, but wow. the, the entity that's, spoke that's to me. Why don't you give the number to call in if there's any listeners out there? We only have about 30 minutes left, but I'd love to hear from someone else out there about their near-death experience. Oh, you want people. Folks, if you've had a near-death experience, and uh, you can hear me, my sister is asking. We've got a brand-new call-in number, 516-387-1804, and we're under spirituality today, and we are visible, and we can put... uh, how to get people to call in. I know how that works, but... She doesn't, and uh, she'll be looking for people to talk to about near-death experiences or if you have any uh, way of wanting to share who you are. or Maybe even if you have any questions, we can share psychic readings because uh, my sister Brenda is not familiar with how all of this works, so uh, we're looking for anyone that would like to call in to 516 387-1804 if you'd like to share any oddity memory or have you had any out-of-death experiences 
near-death experiences. We also call them life-after-life experiences. And we're going to start sharing this show again on Friday nights and Saturdays. So if you want to call in, please notice the numbers 516-387-1804, and I'll put this out there for you. And uh, Friday nights are a tough night, I guess, to deal with. And my sister has been helping me as my brother-in-law tonight with what we're doing in life. And I'm going to talk about things that aren't necessarily topics we always talk about, but we can also help you in our group uh, doing psychic readings and things such as that. So I will put that. And I'm going to put Jim Thomas and Brenda Thomas on, who are we? Brenda and Jim Thomas. Let's see. How am I going to do that? Brenda and Jim Thomas. Austin, Texas. So we will remember tonight's show forevermore. And uh, I will come back and start doing the psychic readings uh, for those of you that like to call in and have assistance in uh, your life because I'm a life coach and I do share with Ace Life Coaching and I'm going to get back into the saddle again every week and you know every night's a a different time but I have read psychic parties and done psychic readings and uh, people like to have advice in the spiritual world describing how we serve ourselves here on the planet while attending to our own lives here, even though we have... Dan, I have a question. What? I think it's very interesting that you were talking about your near death. You talked about the fifth level, sixth and seventh level. That reminded me of the Scientology belief that Tom... Oh, uh, you mean... Uh, Oh, we're not supposed to talk about that stuff, but yeah, L. Ron Hubbard, but he was a great science fiction writer. But yeah, they, uh, they started something like that. Why? Yeah, that make that's what it sounded like with the different levels. So that just made me think when you said that, it made me think of, uh, his name is Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks? No, the guy that was in... The movie that just came out. Tom Hanks, American actor? Is that who you're talking about? No, 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 no. Oh, forevermore. What type of movie was it? He just did the the pilot military line play, Hot Top Gun. Are you talking about Tom Tom Cruise? Yeah, yes. He's he is in that. Club belief, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, there was a show on one time that talked about that, and when you were talking about the different levels. I was like, oh, that that reminds me of Scientology, which is interesting. So I just wish you'd call out there and call in, and you know, <laughs> tell us about their life experience because each one is so unique. I have one of my own that I would really like to hear. Someone out there in our listening audience has had a near-life experience and have it for them. Because I think it's individualized for each person. I'm going to have to um, show you how. Who's going to call in? <laughs> what, what's 
with all of this and you wanting to do a call-in show. But, Brenda, we're going to have to create a call-in show and put it with uh, in their spirituality and let people know what we're doing, and they'll be more than happy to participate. But they're not used to having a call-in on Friday nights, and so they don't but know we're okay. doing Anybody else is out there listening? Because I really don't think there is anyone out there listening. If they could call in and just say hi, <laughs> near death testimonies. The wicked near death peer reviewed death near death. I guess we're going to start doing near death experiences, which I didn't know we're going to start a whole reality. If anyone is listening to us, that's a lie. <laughs> I I guess we're going to do this is your life or is there life on planet Earth? Are we on, folks? Are we on blog talk? (laughs) She's convinced there's nobody in blog talk all these years. I'm going to have to set this back up where she can play with people, Brenda. We'll have to have a call in or something. show or something. For my sister. In the world, if you're listening, please call something. And let me know that you're real. My name is Brenda C. I am the sister of the radio announcer of this radio that she's going to see for out there listening. So if you're listening, could you please verify your listening by calling 516-387-1804? Thank you. <laughs> the most famous near-death experience that transforms life, I guess, is a doctor. People hear about the doctor that passed over. Ian McCormick's near death is one that was uh, talked about. Let's see. Who else do we have here? Near death experiences, uh, you know, besides mine. It's it's relatively common, but it wasn't back when it was happening to me. Now, whether you believe in various levels or not, it doesn't really matter because uh, even Elizabeth Taylor shares hers and you know, that has gotten to be a big thing now. So we're talking about consciousness goes on forever. We are endless ones, endless dreamers, endless life experiencers. So, well, Brenda, I tell you what, this is going to wind up for God and country. Brenda and Jim Thomas in Austin, Texas show of life. Who are we? But Brenda, why don't you, this is historical, and it's going to be here, and I promise you people are listening. I do not believe you. I don't think there's anyone out there live right now listening. (laughs) Because if they did, they would hear my please. Please call 516-387-1804. And, you know, you call it consciousness. I like to call it your soul. Soul leaves your body when you have a near death experience. And your soul hovers over your body for those few minutes and can hear the, the connection. And I was taught in, in nursing school that when someone does die, 
to immediately talk to them because they're still able to hear you. That's when the soul has left the body, it kind of lingers around for a little bit. So I, really, I believe that to be true. So I, 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 in the medical field, we call it your soul, not your consciousness. And some people call it spirit, too, you know. But spirit or soul and then the essence and why am I watching Bob Ross paint right now? <laughs> In this reality, this uh, honey made, honey made, honey made. <laughs> yes, Jack. Close <laughs> your door. So it will feed back. Private number. Yeah, it's funny, but it's Friday night, folks. It's August 12th. I've had a new baby boy today, a new grandson named William. So welcome, William, to reality. This is your great-grandmother speaking to you uh, historically. We welcome you to Earth on August 12th, 2022. So welcome aboard planet Earth. And uh, I know you're there in Gulf Breeze, Florida, or Navarre, Texas. I don't know where it's hospital he was born because I happen to be over in Austin, Texas with Brenda and Jim Thomas. And Brenda is a registered nurse. But Brenda, you didn't have a, a near-death experience, but you had an epiphany when our brother died and you became a nurse. Would you tell people about that? That's pretty interesting. Life and Soul, who are we now? That's the name tonight, Brenda, Life and Soul. But we will have a This Is Your Life. Remember that show, Brenda? Did you ever watch Queen for a Day or This Is Your Life when you were a little girl? (laughs) You're going to be in the same room? Oh, gosh. Is your... Is your... Well, you can't. you got to be over here. They can hear me, I'm sure. Uh-uh. You're no. What? <laughs> You're not going to help me. <laughs> this is your life. And so, who are we, Brendan, Jim, Thomas, Austin, Texas? I... I'll have to prepare the show and the people to do such things as you want them to do. So we'll save that for tonight. And uh, Brenda, she and I are uh, two daughters of uh, Nathaniel Burton Thurman and Teresa Mae Bolton of Monroe, Louisiana. And they went to Washita High School and had us. I am Jan. It's Teresa Jeanette. She calls me Jan. My mother's name was Teresa, and and yes, and my name was Teresa, and this is the oddest show I've ever done. <laughs> but I did not plan this show. This is off the cuff. But you know, we've got Jim Thomas here now, and his famous honey made uh, jingle. Yeah, I did Whataburger, Brenda. Did you know that? I did Whataburger. Do you know? Do you remember Whataburger? No. Are you kidding? 
Well, let me put that on here because we're just having jingle nights. All right, so Twatterburgers, Twatterburger could be, a burger should be, if you cooked it at home. Whataburgers, Whataburger really ought to be. Whataburger for our family. (laughs) Does anyone remember Whataburger? (laughs) Whataburger. And I think they still have Whataburgers around because we had one in Gulf Breeze, Florida, which is where the advertisers will be coming from today. Uh, as far as the, my sisters wanting to see how in the world all this works in the studio with episodes and setting up and how one becomes known in blog talk radio land out there, folks, hosting uh, various shows and how we do TJ Mars Entertainment, ACR, ACO, TJ Mars CT Radio, ACO, Ascension Center Organization. I've changed the name. It's live on air, waiting for host to call in. Are we not live? It says we are. Brenda, it could be because this whole time we've been talking. That's why we're setting up the Ace Metaphysical Institute, but we've had it forever. It's the Invisible College for Ascension Center Education, Ascension Cosmos Oracles. So seriously, folks, it's been great. We're expanding consciousness, and we have each member continually supported in their spiritual journey and path of enlightenment. So we are a community, and we have... uh, been working in open source intelligence and with visual storytelling for brands, believe it or not, artists, authors, and co-creators, educators, musicians, speakers, radio show hosts, to master people. You know we've been over here over 10 years as the Ascension Center Organization and the ACE Metaphysical Institute. And so we're uh, multi-stakeholders and we're annually funded for foundations and we help raise money and uh, have membership fees and individual organizations. So thank you, everybody out there, for supporting us in what we do with uh, those that have different spiritual communities online and their practicing skills. So we foster education excellence in spiritual fellowship, growth, education, and continued research for the communication of truth. Now, we're going to be supporting everyone's achievement and preparation of the global future and competitiveness of communication online, and that's what we do. We support, we are evangelists of the Internet, so we share art, culture, education, and research and provide this particular platform and forum for our group counseling and helping in research and products and services especially made in the USA and individuals uh, that work with us in the spiritual metaphysician ministry and human design. We're working for AI and with AI. And this is going to be a future spiritual tradition that we have to live with now. And uh, I'm going to come back and we'll show Brenda how the intuitive tarot readers 
and transpersonal consultations work on <clears throat> Tuesdays and Thursdays in our spiritual modality we've set up in this unique system with Blog Talk Radio. But uh, we're also with iHeart, which bought all this stuff too, Soul Education. We have interfaith, inter uh, non-denominational ministry with the Universal Life out of Modesto, California, and we have spiritual counselors and intuitive meetings and energy teachers and facilitators, and we have a metaphysical workshop. Brenda and I, Brenda, what was the name of those places we went to on Bourbon Street? Hex or Dex? Yeah, Hex. Hex, and what else was it? I don't remember. I don't either. Uh, so we're getting old, folks. Oh, yeah, we've got – what we're going to do is – well, I've had Facebook since the God 2006, 2008, but let me tell you, folks, uh, the way the world is going, we don't necessarily need browsers anymore, but the, the I mean, if you'll notice on YouTube, I've put up for over 20 years, but let's see the history of YouTube because that's where we've been going and getting bigger, YouTube history. Uh, of course, it was bought by Google, but let me give you a little history on the YouTube. American online video sharing platform headquartered in San Bruno, California, founded by three former PayPal employees, Chad Hurley, Steve Chen, and Joed Karim, in February 2005. So that's the history of YouTube and social media platforms. So we are use that along with many others, but we're going to be sharing that. And then let me give you the history date of Facebook because my sister is very into Facebook. Our mother passed over and left us with a uh, legacy of you are the author of your own life story. And, uh, well, good lands that pulled up my Facebook. Now that's not what I wanted. Now, cyberspace culture, we have uh, Agunost and a lot of other people in our groups online, and I will get this organized for everybody because it's my job for UFO Association and also Ascension Center Organization and ACE Metaphysical Institute, ACE Folklife Association, bringing them all together with the Ascension Cosmos Oracles and our blog talk radio. Goodness, I'm losing my voice now. Brenda was losing hers. But Facebook is a social media Group, but let me look at history of Facebook. Now, most of you know it because they made a great movie about it, but it says everything history of Facebook Omen. timeline. Omen. Omen. Facebook is a social networking service originally launched, launched as FaceMash on October 28, 2003. Before changing its name to the Facebook on February 4th, 2004, it was founded by Mark Zuckerberg at college. Let's see what Wikipedia says. Uh, it's a social networker. He launched his face smash 2003, changed the name 2004. Mark Zuckerberg, college roommates and fellow Harvard University students, in particular, Edward, no, Eduardo Sovereign. Andrew McCollum, Dustin Muscovitz, and Chris Hughes. So that says one, two, three, four, plus Mark would be five. Now, the website's membership was initially limited by founders to Harvard students. 
but expanded to other colleges in Boston area, Ivy League, and universities in Canada. And by September 2006, to everyone with a valid email address, an age required of being 13 and older. Now, <clears throat> the Facebook, let's see here, no universal online Facebooks at Harvard distributed, but they started with $200,000, the domain name. So the company dropped it from its name after purchasing the domain name, facebook.com. And so a domain name is a string that identifies a realm of administrative autonomy, authority, or control within the Internet. Domain names are used in various network contexts and for application specific naming and addressing purposes. In general, a domain name identifies network domain R and mm, it went somewhere, but where'd it go? And domain is the network domain in an internet protocol IP resource, such as a personal computer uses to access the internet or server computer. So domain name. So Facebook is the one my sister has been working with out there, folks, in social media, just so you know. And we'll be getting back all our groups back together and showing them how we can best serve them out here. What we're doing, this is quite interesting. Uh, so we're going to do a <laughs> Life and Soul, This Is Your Life, Brenda Thomas, <laughs> and uh, show her how we get along in life and how we can help each other help ourselves and tell stories. So we are the author of our own life story. It will be one of the deals that our mother left us here to using YouTube and Facebook we're going to come back and do some live launches now my sister cooks really well (laughs) and she cooked tonight for us and uh, we're going to have to talk to her about how to appear in uh, live streaming but she says she's too shy she doesn't want to do the computer networking so well uh, tell you what Maybe I messed up today. I hope not because we've got people. And Friday nights, uh, we'll have Jan Aldrich usually on Friday nights with the UFO Association. And uh, this is our ACO club. And you are the author of your own life story. So it's an ACO club, Life and Soul. Brenda, do you think life and soul, we know that without a – you know how the cadavers and the bodies work, physical bodies – Without that illumination, electricity, you and I are having neurological, electrical issues now, getting older. <clears throat> I feel like our electrical system and our heart all work together, our soul. But now with heart mass, our ACO club, we're a social, I'm going to put social club. And, uh, we're going to share life and soul, but... How can we explain? We know that consciousness is not just in the mind. They've proven that. Do you know who Dr. Bruce Lipton is, Brenda? No. Okay, let me look up Dr. Bruce Lipton. Uh, the biology of belief. Uh, now, he's apparently got a 12th anniversary, 10th anniversary, the biology of belief. Uh, he says the 10th anniversary edition of Bruce Lipton's best-selling book, 
has been updated to bolster the book's central premise of the latest scientific discoveries, but he first published this in 2005. He became pretty well-known. If you want to look up Dr. Bruce Lipton and the biology of belief, realizing his statement is that you're realizing that you're swirling mass of atoms, literally floating through hectic modern life in a day's but only if you let this happen. So he believes that belief is not particularly light subject matter as Lipton drives headfirst into a real working of cells that our bodies are made up of. Our, <clears throat> our bodies are made up of. That's an interesting sentence, but I'm reading it right off the Internet. That science is called epigenetics, a revolutionary field that shows us how the energy of consciousness is an important part shaping life. Our nerves is DNA and chemistry. So you may well look at the biology of belief. And he was an anesthesiologist, as far as I know, Brenda. But let me see here. Groundbreaking biology belief full lecture. PDF, San Francisco State. Professor of medicine at Stanford University. Okay. But uh, I liked him because he talked a lot about anesthesia and how that affected our mind and also the levels of existence so the publication of Dr. Bruce Lipton Lipton, that's like Lipton T-L-I-P-T-O-N former professor of medicine at Stanford University, best-selling author of The Biology of Belief and I first came in to know Bruce Lipton's work researching epigenetics and the control of our genetic expression with thoughts and beliefs so uh, he's influenced me gratefully, gratefully. I am grateful to Dr. Bruce Lipton and everything that I've learned and studied from him in YouTube. And uh, for those of you, uh, some of his quotes are, the moment you change your perceptions, the moment you rewrite the chemistry of your body. Uh, he wrote, just like a single cell, the character of our lives is determined not by our genes, but by our responses to the environmental signals that propel life. As, uh, another one is as soon as you start to see, tell yourself in your perception that you can't do something anymore, then your biological system will adjust to prove you are right. So you will not do what you think you can't do. That's Bruce Lipton, okay? Life has everything in it, but you only see what your perception allows you to see. And beliefs and thoughts alter cells in your bodies. Most illness is just stress from not living in harmony. The secret of life is belief. And rather than genes, it's our beliefs that control our lives. So master your genes, not being a victim of them. We can control our lives by controlling our perceptions. When we truly recognize our beliefs are the powerful well, let me say that again in quotes. When we truly recognize that our beliefs are that powerful, we hold the key to freedom. We're not victims of our genes, but masters of our fates, able to create lives overflowing with peace, happiness, and love. Drugging our symptoms does not solve the problem. It helps to ignore it until the vehicle breaks down. A miraculous healing awaits the planet once we accept our new responsibility to collectively tend the garden rather than fight over the turf. 
Now, we are told we are the author of our own life stories and that we are the stewards of the planet. And so we will succeed at helping others if we help ourselves. So God helps those who help themselves. Now, he says our thoughts are merely controlled by our subconscious and largely formed before the age of six. So you cannot change the subconscious mind by just thinking about it. He says that's why the power of positive thinking will not work for most people. The subconscious mind is like a tape player. Until you change the tape, it will not change. There's food for thought. So if you get your subconscious mind to agree with your conscious mind about being happy, that's when your positive thoughts work. So your life is not controlled by the conscious mind, which is wishes and desires. It's controlled by the subconscious, which has been programmed by observing other people. Wow. So your life is a printout of your subconscious programming. So you don't need to go back into your life to find out who did what to create the life that you have. All you have to do is look at the life you have because it is the expression of your own programs. The things that your life likes that come into your life easily are there because you have programs to encourage and support that. Anything you work hard at, anything you put a lot of effort into, anything you sweat over to make it happen, and the questions is why you're working so hard, the answer is your programs and your subconscious mind don't support that. So what are your favorites, Dr. Bruce Lipton? So what your brain sends out vibrations at all times. Your thoughts affect your life and other people's. So pick up these thoughts and get changed by them. That's why say a perfect pacifist gets caught up in a riot situation. It's a field of vibration. You can feel someone else's thoughts when close to them. I don't know about that one. What do you think, Brenda? He says you Maybe you can feel their, what we call their aura, their energy, or you can look at a person, but I don't know about hearing their thoughts. That might be a little stretch of the imagination. But we are made in the image of God. We need to put spirit back into the equation. We want to improve our physical, our mental health. So, okay, YouTube history. So we got the copyright and creator to advertise developer terms and policy folks, and the, the history is out of San Bruno, California, founded by three former PayPal employees, Chad Hurley, Steve Chen, and Jawad Kareem. So please uh, let me – I'll tell you one thing else I'm going to do is I'm going to really quickly – I've only got a minute here. I want to do the history of Twitter because that's up so much. And all of these are now – please let me explain. They're all social media now. They've all been thrown into that. And if you've noticed a lot of changes in 2022, it's because they really did happen. Twitter is a microblogging and social networking service on which users post and interact with messages known as tweets owned by American company Twitter Inc. And that was founded March 21st, 2006 by Twitter Inc., which is Jack Dorsey and Noah Glass and Evan Williams, it looks like, related. Twitter was the original project code name for Twitter. 
twit was T-W-T-T-R. So we made it through having This Is Your Life, Jim Thomas. Brenda Thomas says a little under the weather with a scratchy voice, but she helped us as much as she could tonight. So we'll have to work on this, folks, and show them how we all listen to these shows and are building a nice social media platform that we've been working over 10 years on here with Blog Talk Radio and our ACO Social Club about life and soul in Austin, Texas with Brenda and Jim Thomas. How long have you two been married? 40 years. I thought it was 44. Okay, so they knew each other two years and then they got married. And we're going to have to have a show where we have a call in just for Brenda <laughs> so she can enter, intermix like uh, uh, having uh, people that are friends of ours that have various topics that make our souls feel better. So love and light, everybody. Thank you for being part of our world, and we know that you've got a friend. When you're down and troubled 